Okay. And we're going. All right, we're live. Well, I mean, not really. We could not be. Not really. We could. We, it's that, one button away. It's an idea for sure. The the start streaming button is literally right next to the start that recording button. That scares me, though. <laughs> <laughs> the, idea, the idea of going live on our YouTube channel scares me. Yeah. But... Okay, you had a question to kind of get get the ball rolling with I this episode. Um, so a group of a group of friends and I were hanging out uh, Wednesday night after church, and we I don't remember who asked the question, but we were asked the question of what like Mount Rushmore movie from your formative years. So you think back to to when that was what you you would say the movies that defined your taste. Okay. Define my taste. Which of those right. movies has held up the worst? Mm. Or like, if you went back to watch it now, you have like a shockingly different take on it now than you did then. Oh, oh wow. Um, yeah, no, it, it was an unexpectedly deep conversation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's. Uh, I mean, I can think of the ones that like stand out to me that like forever changed the way that I see movies. You know, like okay. like for example, like definitely. The Dark Knight is up there. Um, Spider-Man 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, two Spider, Two Man. Two Spider, Two Man. Um, definitely, um, I would say, like, Terminator 2 is probably up there. Okay. Um, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. Um, so you didn't hmm. have, like, like, a single trashy movie that you just really enjoyed or a movie that, like, if you went back and watched it now, you would watch it differently because you have so much different life experience. Okay. I can think of a movie when I was a kid. We actually talked about it recently. I can think of a movie when I was a kid that I loved, not loved, loved as a heart is, is a strong word. It, I, I enjoyed it. And I remember watching it more than once, but it definitely cemented for me the the love of the fantasy genre, and that is the first Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know that I ever saw that with Jeremy Irons. Mm-mm. Yep, that movie. As bad as it was, because like you're saying, looking back now. Actually, looking back just a few years from that moment, it was like, wow, this is bad. Like, this is not good at all. The CGI was terrible. The The acting was bad. The script was bad. Like, everything about it. It's not a good movie at all. But I remember, you know, I guess when that came out, let's see, would, could you Google it real quick and, and tell us I when sure that can. actually came out? Because I want to say I was like maybe 10 or 11, maybe, okay. when that came out. And I uh, remember... 2000. 2000. So yeah, I was 10. And so I remember as a 10-year-old just loving it. I remember having it on VHS and re-watching it. Not a lot, but I, I've watched it several times, but it, it actually, for me, it like really made me love the fantasy genre. Um, yeah. So I guess that would be, would I put it up there as Mount Rushmore of movies? Definitely not, but I would put it as like an influential movie for me. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I feel like also it's very unfair for me to ask the question and then not answer it. Um, and I also say this with the benefit of having had two days to think about it. Uh, Fight Club for me. Mm, Easy okay. answer. Yeah. There was there was a period of like my high school life that I loved Fight Club and I was like way too young to get Fight Club. 
Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older, I feel like the, kind of the point of the movie, like you're not supposed to like it. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to make a point and it's supposed to challenge you. And then you're kind of just supposed to move past it. Yeah. So that's, that's absolutely my answer. But it was really interesting to me because um, Meg and I were, were by far the youngest people in that room. So it was just kind of like a generational, like interesting to see what other people view as their formative movies. So that mm-hmm. was, that was actually a really, really cool experience. What were some other answers? Do you remember? Oh, I want to say, you know, I can, sorry. I, I, another one just hit me. Um, it's one that like I have rewatched, but every time I've, I've watched it since I've just kind of been like, yeah, I mean, okay. But the matrix. Interesting. See, I feel like, I feel like the matrix does hold up. Like not as like not as well on subsequent viewings um i would argue the matrix reloaded holds up on subsequent viewings because it didn't have as high of a reputation mm-hmm. it's just like do you want to watch a, a pretty cool like stylized sci-fi action movie then watch you know watch matrix reloaded right um but it's been we for tuesday night movies i want to say it was the keanu reeves category we did somebody picked That's the matrix a fun category oh dude it was great it was uh bill and ted's um john wick the matrix and speed i think were the four. Oh, speed <laughs> so we, we each picked one um and some of the people in the group, I don't think had watched the matrix before. So it was like getting to watch it for the first time. Mm. That was, that's, I think that happened. I might be Mandela affecting myself completely. And like, cause I feel like I've seen the matrix somewhat recently, but I don't know. Like I wouldn't have sat down and watched it on my own. Yeah, It's been a while since I've watched it. It's probably been a year or so since I've watched, it. you know what I can, I can, I remember exactly when last time I watched it, it was in the middle of the pandemic and I Ooh. was like, everything was shut down and we were shut in and I wasn't working and my son was in the other room doing his school stuff. And I was like, I am so bored. I was like, I'm going to watch the mm-hmm. matrix <laughs> mm-hmm. and escape it- from this reality. And, um, I remember watching what? it and what thinking a bold choice to try to escape reality with where they try to escape reality. <laughs> right. And uh, I remember sitting down and watching it and thinking, like, the movie finished. And I was like, yeah, that movie doesn't hit as hard anymore. Like, it it was, you know, you're like in awe, like, the first time. Yeah. I, I remember the first, maybe even second, third time I saw it. But then it just, it kind of, now, like, this many years later, it doesn't hit the same. Yeah. Maybe so because that, we're you, in it now, and so I just, like, it, it doesn't... <laughs> oh, man. Um, so you talking about it that way and, and adding the idea of repetition to watching, um, I, it did jog my memory that someone in the room said uh, The Sixth Sense. Oh, yeah, that's... Mm-hmm. And to some degree, that that's going to be any movie, any movie that leans really heavily on some type of twist. Uh-huh. So you look at most M. Night Shyamalan movies before he was bad... Um, or like the usual suspects. Yeah. Or a, even a huge twist ending or even like, you know, in the, going down that, that rabbit hole, like the secret window with Johnny Depp. That's mm-hmm. another one that like, once you know, the movie doesn't have the same effect. Now there are some movies like that and you can go back and watch it again and pay more attention and to the little watch details. It differently and it yeah. still works. Yeah. Right. But kind of the same thing. Repetition. Once you, once the second time you've watched it, it's yeah. like, you know, all the stuff. So you're not really going to pay attention to it. Yeah. The, the question was introduced in the room though. Someone said, um, you know, I really loved Christopher Nolan's memento with Guy Pierce, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, where he has the, where he has the short term memory issues. And 
the question was asked, I wonder how that holds up because none of us had really seen it um, in the past couple of years. But I think that's a, I think that's a really interesting question mm. of of how well that movie would hold up. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's a good question. Very thought provoking. Yeah, I feel like I've given my my brain a jump start after this long day. <laughs> <laughs> like well, I, we're, I we're recording this on a now. Friday night, so I apologize for for jump starting your brain right before the weekend. Yeah, well, it's supposed good. To, it's supposed to turn that off. It's good. No, I, yeah, you gotta keep that brain active. You gotta keep it going. That's why I, I can't watch mindless entertainment. I just it, it just it's pointless to me. I want I want some I want some meat to it, John. I want I want to I want to walk away and be like, ah, yeah, I feel better. I don't, I'm not still hungry. Interestingly, I feel like as a as a consumer of content, I am the exact opposite. <laughs> okay. I want to watch this and just shut down. I think that's why I don't like and this is not I'm not poking fun at you at all. Uh I think that's why I don't like the the multiplayer online stuff. Is because it's just repetition. It's just the same thing mm-hmm. over and over again and I want a story, I want depth, I want yeah. that. So No, I I completely get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I go through phases where I like that. I have a, a great amount of, like, single-player campaign games and stuff that I have either, like, in my list or in my Steam library. So I, I get that for sure. Yeah. If you're going to give me a shooter, give me missions. Give me give me a, a, things to do. Yeah. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. Well, uh, let's see. We're 12 minutes in. Welcome to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. I am Jay, and with me, of course, is John here. And Mm -hmm. uh, we are here to give you more info that you uh, didn't ask for. Um, but uh, today, um, well, 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 we'll get into that in a second, but the uh, uh, news is what's coming up first. But because there has been so much that has been delayed, originally we were supposed to review Craven the Hunter, uh, but it has been pushed to next year. So because of that, we're actually going to go ahead and do uh, a Spider-Man uh, movie so that we're kind of staying somewhat in the same universe, I guess you could say. So we are reviewing Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. So for those um, older folk like John and I, uh, you, you will remember going to see Spider-Man 2 in theaters. And if you're younger, you can watch it on... Is it on Disney Plus now? It sure is. That's where I watched it. Okay, see, I, I own we... it. So that's where <laughs> that's how I watched we... it. When we when we found out um, in immediately after recording our last episode, oh, what are we doing next time? Oh, oh no, that's been delayed somewhat indefinitely. And we were like, what are we gonna watch? I was like, let's watch Spider Man Two. You know, it's it's a movie we talk about all the time. We reference somewhat mm-hmm. frequently. Mm-hmm. And then I was sitting down yesterday. I was like, I need to find a way to watch this movie. So uh, all of the three Raimi movies, I think both amazing movies are now available on Disney Plus. Okay. There we go. So that's awesome. So you can check them mm-hmm. out there. Uh, so um, because, I mean, it goes, it kind of goes without saying, this episode is going to be extremely spoiler heavy. Uh, we always are, but this one will be especially uh, primarily because it's such an old movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, and this is the kind of content you love, highly 
recommend if you haven't seen it. Pause right now. Go watch it. Come back and listen to the rest of the episode. Um, but for the rest of you that have, uh, maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe it was in your childhood, like like me. Um, then uh, sit back and and enjoy us r- rambling about um, Spider Man Two. But first up, we have news. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, let's let's start with the biggest news: the writer strike is over. <sighs> But the so so the writer strike and the SAG strike were separate. Yeah, they became separate. So yeah. we have writers, which we is we have great. writers, which is good. We don't have anyone to do anything once they write it. Correct, unless they decide to animate everything from now on. <laughs> that would be wild. <laughs> oh man, um, you know what? I'll take the dub. Yeah, I will. I will accept this win. It is uh, something, not nothing. And I thought we were going to get a whole lot of nothing. I did too. I thought this is. I thought that this was going to go on much longer than it did. Um, I f- was fully expecting into next year. So it's nice to know that they came to a an agreement, a settlement. So it's really nice. Um, now some of the things that, if you care about this kind of thing, if you don't, just tune me out for a second. But um, I find it interesting. Uh, maybe you will too. But the the agreements that were made, um, one of the biggest was pay. Um, they they were able to work out an amount of pay, uh, a certain percentage, and then it's going to go up every two years, I think it is, um, for them, which is great uh, because you may not know this, but writers are actually not paid all that much, uh, surprisingly. You know, I've talked about it on this show several times. Writers are, in my opinion, the most important piece of a movie or TV show. If you don't have mm-hmm. good writers, you're not going to have good content. So they're extremely can, important. We we reference that somewhat frequently because our, at least for me, my most obvious example of you can have great actors and horrible writing and you'll have a bad movie is Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Like Natalie Portman has won an Oscar. Yeah. And she has like, she's incredibly capable and she's just, ugh. Oh, the writing of those movies is not good, but I, I 100% agree with Jay's point. Writing is crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and John's absolutely right. You know, any any time you have, um, you you can have, uh, you know, you'll see like the big movies will come out, and you'll see all the actors like listed out. You know, it's almost like bullets or you know, and it's got all these big hits, and you're like, wow, this has a lot of people in it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a good movie. Um, in fact. <laughs> I would argue that it might be more of a sign that it's not going to be a good movie because they're leaning uh, so heavily mm. on how many people they got. I don't know. That's just my my thought. But I would argue there's no correlation between like ensemble casts and quality. Yeah. I can because like Ocean's Eleven has one of the better ensemble casts of the past 20 years and it's great. It's very enjoyable. That would be but a like fun Van- remake rewatch. Do you remember that uh, Vantage Point movie? It came out in like 2010. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, not not great. Ensemble cast, pretty strong ensemble cast, if I remember mm-hmm. it correctly. And uh, that movie got real old real fast. Yeah, it did. It was one too many viewpoints long. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so with that, uh, most things that have been paused, uh, temporarily have now picked up some steam and we have writers. Um, one of the biggest ones that came out was stranger things. Uh, the writers themselves actually have their own Twitter page and that was the first thing they tweeted out. It was just a a big photo that just said, we're back. 
Um, so what but, was the what was the last thing they tweeted before that? Like, did they just not tweet at all, or I don't even know. Were they I, still? Uh, uh, it looks like kind of interacting with somewhat relevant things. Yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. So you've got that. Oh, uh, I didn't I didn't finish what they got. Um, the other thing was AI. That was another huge um, debate that was happening because a lot of these studios were starting to threaten, starting to threat rather that they were like, well, we don't really need you anymore. We can take your old script, put it into artificial intelligence, and then they could just write it themselves. So really, we don't even need you anymore, Um, which is just not true. Uh, You know, I, I think the debate has been out there for a long time, but AI is not human. So mm-hmm. having that understanding of how humans interact and, and emotions and, you know, body language and reading the room and stuff like that, like AI is not going to get that. And so, you know, it wasn't going to turn out well. Well, they have officially said they will not be using AI and they can't use any AI to copy their material. And okay. if something is written by AI or has any AI assistance, then the studio has to say that AI was used in the making of this fill in the blank. So um, I think that's fair. Um, and then they're also, they worked out a deal with the studios as far as the streaming services go, uh, about the streaming services being more open about what's being watched and how much it's being watched. And then the writers getting a cut of whatever is actually being watched. So all of that was worked out as well. So now so we just need news. the, the SAG strike to end and then we might actually, uh, start being able to <laughs> review new things again. Yeah. Um, so some really cool news as far as like, so Dune part two is coming out next year. Uh, for those that maybe you didn't see it in theaters because it was, it did kind of come out at an odd time. It was like right there, right when COVID was ending, but there was still some like, you know, we'll go ahead and release this straight to streaming as well so that you can watch it there. Um, and, uh, but if you didn't get to watch it, then it is coming to Netflix on October 1st. So that's pretty cool. Definitely trying to get some, pick up some steam there. Um, and then also it's, it's such a great watch too. Like I need to rewatch it cause I haven't seen it since it's theatrical release. And I remember being blown away. Yeah. Yeah. It was incredibly good. It was, um, there's, it's funny. Uh, my, my life group that I'm a part of, there's one guy in that and he's not normally a movie guy, but he watched Dune and he can't stop talking about it. Like, mm-hmm. He just keeps going on and on about how good it is. Yeah, I believe it. I completely it. agree. Um, in relation to Netflix, one of the things that's going to be coming out soon is called Rebel Moon. Um, just kind of some big news surrounding that that's come out recently. Apparently, there was a game, a board, to- a board, a, a th- can't talk, a tabletop. tabletop board game made by Evil Genius Games. Um, there was a whole board game that was going to be coming out, and Netflix canceled it. The, the producers or whoever of um, Rebel Moon canceled it, but they still used their intellectual property that they had created with this board game. Um, I went into detail because I was a little confused. Uh, I went into detail about it just to see what they meant, but these developers sat down and spent hours upon hours expanding on the universe to create this board game. And then what happened was... Netflix canceled it, but they 
took the stuff that they yeah. had made and now they're using it as their own. Yeah. I frustratingly have no trouble believing that. Yeah. So that's um that's very upsetting and so they're now trying to sue Netflix um saying that, you know, basically that's not fair and if you're going to do that then you need to at least release the board game that we worked so yeah, hard on real. to develop. That's <laughs> it cuz I imagine by this point like cuz Rebel Moon comes out vaguely Christmas time, right? Like, yeah. The end of December. December and then part 2 is in March, I believe. I would have to think in order to have a a tabletop game ready to go to production, that game is done. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you, I mean, you would want to release it either at or before release of the movie. So, Correct. I mean, all, all they would be doing now is probably crossing T's and dotting I's. And, uh, whew, rug got pulled out. Yeah, yeah. So not, not cool. <laughs> not cool, Netflix. Um, so that might be the next strike is the, the board game maker strike. <laughs> <laughs> Man. What would you call that? What what would that acronym be? Oh, um, board gamers. I'm trying to come up with some type of joke about rolling for initiative. <laughs> um, but they're like, uh, we rolled a nat one and we're protesting, like something like that. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Oh man. Uh, speaking of games, uh, just real quick, the Kotor remake has not been canceled, according to Sony, and there are trailers that have been created for the game but they just haven't been released publicly mm-hmm mm-hmm so they say i you'll believe I it when believe you see it, it is that here exactly 100 <laughs> percent. this has been in such a like a weird development cycle of like it was at this one studio and they used like all of their budget on the trailer and not the actual game and then it has been radio silence and that studio like got shut down or something and it moved to another studio like i i don't know that i believe this game is going to happen anymore and i'm very upset about it yeah i i feel the same way i feel the same way i don't really think i don't know there's been too much that's happened with it that seems like really big stuff like we talked about it when it initially happened but the studio that was making it they were like, yeah, no, you're not. You're not going to make this anymore. And they allegedly just moved it to a different studio. Yeah. Honestly, you know what I wish they would do? Because, I mean, I know I know, um, EA's monopoly on Star Wars games has, has expired, but throw it to Respawn, man. Oh, like, yeah. they have knocked out Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor just out of the park. Give them this and essentially say, like, make Fallen Order, but... KOTOR, the game's done. It'll write itself. Yeah, yeah, because the the skeleton of what you would need is already there. You just gotta plug mm-hmm. in the pieces. I'm down with that. Just, let's let's make this easy peasy. We can make this go. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But instead, they're making it difficult, difficult, lemon difficult. Um, as far as a uh, writer's strike being over, one of the things that's moving forward for sure is the Batman Part Two. Now has a release date of March 10th, 2025. When it says part two, when I when I read that in my head, it is I I expect that movie is going to start immediately where the the first one stopped. When I hear that, that's what I think too. Okay, I but I don't think know I'm how fine true that, that is. Yeah, well, I didn't care for the first one. I would I, I would like I a more seasoned one. Batman. That's not what this is supposed to be, though. This is supposed to be, know, like, year I, one. I want him to be older. Now. Like, can we have a time jump? I would like a time jump. Let's do a time jump of, like, four years. <laughs> four years. Uh, you because know, that's how long it's been too. since the last one came out. <laughs> that's upsetting. Uh, 
<laughs> I think I think I could be talked into that. Like, oh, okay, you it... talked me into it. It was a really easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things that it's like I, you know, I I liked that it was a year one style. You know, especially mm-hmm. I think that was a little bit of a shock at the end when like he failed. Well, I guess he didn't fail, fail, but he he kind of failed. Um, and when that happened, like it. You know, it kind of caught me off guard, and I was like, oh, wow, this is a very new Batman. Like, he really doesn't have this together. Um, yeah. Which I was okay with, but it's like, okay, well, now that we've seen that version, let's skip ahead a few years where, like, he has more experience, but he still can make some mistakes, you know? Yeah, I think I'd be I'd be all right with that. I don't know. He's probably having to recover from the brain damage that he had when he hit his head what? on that bridge. No. <laughs> Surely not. He's got a Gosh, scrambled the, eggs in his brain. All of Gotham City heard that ding when he hit his head on there. <laughs> Some of the other side of the town was like, what was that? Was that was that Batman getting a concussion? <laughs> Did y'all hear a bat hit metal? That was weird. <laughs> um, so uh, one thing that John and I had talked a lot about uh, have continued. This has been a, a conversation that has expanded over several episodes is the whole DC universe. And what's canon, what's not canon, can you please make it clear, James Gunn, because at this point we're very confused. He officially said, James Gunn clarifies that everything before Creature Commandos and Superman Legacy is non-canon. However, some actors will be playing characters they've played in other stories, and some plot points might be consistent with plot points from the dozens of past DC projects. Well, that is just clear as mud. That is the least helpful answer that we could have possibly had. He did go on to say that the following actors will be returning to DCU. John Cena as Peacemaker, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, and uh, is it Zolo... uh, um, I can't say his last name. I would, I'd be more Duena comfortable guessing his... That's what, yeah. Mara as, as Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. He didn't indicate if that was the full list, but that is a list that he gave. I I think I'm fine. I'm fine with those three people coming back. I'm fine with those I don't, three. Yeah. I don't know how on board I would be if those were the only people coming back. I would... I think it would be a missed opportunity to not bring Margaret Robbie back. Oh, absolutely like that would be miss a missed opportunity there um i would love to see Bloodsport come back also yeah. king shark <laughs> yeah yeah king shark is entertaining um but i think that's that's all i can think of as far as i mean obviously i want henry cavill to come back but i don't think that's obviously that's not gonna happen or pour some out for the internet's favorite nerd yeah i don't know he's got a you know i'm not one to talk i don't have much hair but um he's got his receding hairline is running very quickly in the direction you don't want it to go down your down your forehead and it's like he has no forehead now it's just eyebrows to hair yeah <laughs> He's it's I noticed the new the new movie he's in the haircut they gave him is terrible. It's so bad, but it's he's got to be terrible by design, though. Like, I'm sure it is, but he's already got a widow's peak. And so having mm-hmm. his hair as short as it as it is, I mean, it needs to just stick up a little bit more and he could be Vegeta. <laughs> I'd be in for it. I would, too. I'd be completely <laughs> in for it. I'm down. Every every now and then, when I'm just like scrolling reels on Facebook, uh, I get a I get a Dragon Ball Z reel, and I'm just like, man, this has changed since I would watch this. He's at like Super Saiyan six plus whatever. Like it's 
they keep they keep making up things for them to do, which is yeah, they're great. not they're not even numbered anymore. They now have names and colors. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. I still watch the show. Excellent. I'm I'm happy for you. <laughs> it's a part of it's that it's that one show from my childhood that I've continued to watch just because it's it's fun for me. Yeah. Um. So according to um, sources, Christopher Nolan is in the talks to uh, direct and write at least two James Bond films. I don't know how I feel about that completely, but I would be I would watch it. The, The second part of that report is what has me uneasy is they would be true Fleming adaptations set in the period in which they were written. That's yes. I that makes me kind of uncomfortable. I just don't think. I'd rather, I don't want to have period pieces anymore. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Nolan's already done that. He's already had 1917. He's already had, no, he don't, who was, did he do Dunkirk or was he 1917? He did Dunkirk. Okay. One of them was Sam Mendes, um, who did Skyfall, my arguably favorite movie of all time at this point. Um, I, I don't know, man. I feel like that would be a much easier, um, it would, it would change the way they would do bond though, because either they would have to commit to we're doing period pieces now, or it would be a, we're giving everybody a couple of movies at a time as kind of creative Liberty. And we're not going to have, you know, Daniel Craig be bond for almost 20 years. We're not going to have Pierce Brosnan get four movies. We're not going to have, you know, these eras defined. It's just going to be a, well, you know, it was him for a couple of movies. Now it's this guy for a couple of movies and it, it wouldn't, it would lose some of the the sheen to me i see where you're coming from i hear you but i disagree <laughs> that's yeah i'm completely fine with you disagree <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i do see where you're coming from though I, I get that but at the same time i i don't know i bond you know that would be a good that would be i'm gonna do this research and i will come back and oh, let no, you guys know research. in the following episode i'm gonna do research to see has the bond films have they lost interest over time because that might be where they're coming from. They might be thinking, okay, this is a character, a, a, a talk about a character with a legend, like a, a, like a legacy character. Like this, this person is, this character is something that could potentially live on forever. Mm-hmm. And because he's not dedicated to one actor era. Yeah. He, he can be changed out. Um, and so that's what makes Bond so cool. And every generation has like their favorite Bond. You know, my dad will sh- will say that his favorite is, uh, I'm pretty sure he told me it was Pierce Bronson. So, you know, like everybody has their favorite. And, but, you know, at the same time, if that's kind of worn out and people don't really want that anymore, this could be their attempt to be like, hey, let's change it up a little bit. And this time we're going to, instead of having it like, oh, we're dedicated to this person for so long, let's just say, okay, well, let's just do a, let's do a couple Bond movies, but you know, whichever direction the director wants to take them, that's where they can go. They don't necessarily have to be stuck in this continuum, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've, I've enjoyed Bond movies kind of following the times though. Where you where you have Goldfinger right in the sixties where he's like I'm gonna make my gold valuable and I was like well buddy it's gold it's already valuable <laughs> um, going all the way like through the seventies eighties nineties getting to Tomorrow Never Dies with Pierce Brosnan where you know he's they're they're adapting to the developments of the time yeah I I have enjoyed that and also period pieces I feel like can potentially hold up better because they're not um, trying to be as on the cutting edge 
Uh, I feel like yeah. that's one of the reasons that Batman the Animated Series holds up so well is because it, it is set kind of in its own defined era uh-huh. where it's like they have cars, but the police also use blimps. And it's just like there's a little bit of like <laughs> silly things about it, but it works. Yeah. And I don't feel like it could have worked if they were like, we're going to make this like a super edgy 90s cartoon. I don't think it would have held up as well. So I definitely see both sides. And if this does um, turn out to be the direction that they would take Bond. I mean, very, very few directors and and cinematic creators at this level um, have earned the trust with me personally that Nolan has. Yeah. I watched Tenet. Like, like that's the amount of respect I have for Christopher Nolan. I watched this movie that makes no sense. Right. You watched Tenet. You didn't enjoy Tenet, but you watched it. (laughs) I was, I was confused the whole time. (laughs) I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. It was wild. Um, that one's not really important. We're going to skip that story. Uh, Michael Gambon, uh, sadly, passed away um, yesterday at the age of 82. Sorry, Sir Michael Gambon. Did he Did he get knighted? He was, man. He was knighted. Cool. Yeah. So um, both, both the Dumbledores have sadly passed away. Um, we do still have uh, Jude Law, though. So that's... Um, oh, yeah. From those movies that nobody saw. Yeah. Yeah. So, which, you know, <laughs> it's one of those, uh, it's definitely a, um, with those movies, it's definitely an Obi-Wan Kenobi situation where you see, like, uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and you see, like, wait, so Kenobi's going to go from that to uh, that over the course of, like, 10 years? And it's like, yeah. It's like, man, he saw a lot of action between those two periods. I mean... I feel like the easiest explanation for that, though, is he's a he's a white dude living in a desert like that is going That's to true. aggressively age somebody. That's right. Yeah, you're not wrong. I would. Yeah, I, I would be a, a burn to a crisp if I was in a desert for that long. Yeah. But um. so, yeah, Jude Law being Dumbledore and then the older Dumbledore, it's like, wow, that's only like a like. 40 year gap like that's a that's a lot of aging that takes place there yeah especially going from jude law to richard harris who <laughs> yeah. was the the first cinematic dumbledore yeah because i'm pretty sure i've i've encountered dirt younger than that man was yeah probably yeah <laughs> and he's been gone for like 20 years now mm-hmm. um but yeah that's uh that's pretty much the news i think the only other thing that we have is uh if you really enjoyed werewolf by night it will be released in color um, why? On Disney Plus, so its aesthetic was so cool. I, I agree. I don't know why they're doing that. Are but. they? Are they taking it's so they can release content without having to make anything new? Yeah. Uh, from a creative standpoint, completely on board. From a from a consumer standpoint, ugh. Yep. I agree. I don't know why they're doing that. It makes no sense. I guess they're just trying to get more people to to come back. Please keep paying for us. Well, I mean, Loki starts next week, so. Oh, that's right. I feel like that's gonna be that's gonna be a draw for some people. Something I the, the, the people who would watch Werewolf by Night in color will be watching Loki season two. <laughs> you are. I feel not like that's wrong. a pretty like that that the Venn diagram of those people is a circle. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. All right. Well, that is it for uh, for news. Uh, unless John, you had anything else, but if not, we can just jump into really. Ahsoka. Let's do it. Let's do it. I did Man, not I love remember that episodes. we were talking about those, so I, I need to pull love, up those episode summaries. I love this series so much. Like, I can't express enough how much I enjoy sitting down and watching these episodes. So, yeah. Friday, last Friday, 
Um, unfortunately, these episodes I haven't really been able to watch unless it's on a Friday uh, because my family is so busy throughout the week. And so for last Friday, I was home by myself. I And it was the first time I was at home by myself for the entire night since, I think, since I've been married. Like, it's been a really long time. And so I, on my way home from work, I picked up a pizza. I went home. I turned on my TV and the surround sound, turned off all the lights except for the bathroom light so I could see what I was eating. And I turned up the volume just about as loud as it could possibly go and Bold. watched uh, the, what was that, part six, uh, Far, Far Away. Yep, and that's one. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. That's the episode where, spoilers, by the way, that's the episode where Thrawn is reintroduced. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is I mean, so cool. He's so blue. I don't know that. That's one of the more upsetting things that's happened in the show is that Lars Mikkelsen's Thrawn had been not leaked. He had been confirmed. He yeah, had been announced. announced. Yeah. So it was like, man, there's some drama that has been lost on this show because we know it, some part of this is going to happen. Um, but that said, so part five is is the episode with the world between worlds. And I believe we, we discussed that in the last episode, right? We did. Yep. We need to do six and seven. Okay. So six and seven. Um, I've got the fun uh, Wikipedia like three sentence synopses. Perfect. Probably about five sentences. Perfect. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and hit part six, and then we can discuss. Part six, far, far away. The Eye of Scion arrives on Peridia, the ancient homeworld of Morgan Elsbeth's people known as the Dathomiri. Elsbeth, Balin Skull, Shin Hati, and Sabine Wren meet the great, the great mothers a group of night sisters allied with Thrawn. As they wait for the Grand Admiral, Skull relates to Hati his belief that the Fi and the rise of the Empire were part of an inevitable cycle, one he intends to break. Thrawn arrives and honors Skull's promise by providing Ren with provisions, a Howler mount, and Ezra Bridger's whereabouts. After Sabine leaves, Thrawn orders Skull and Hati to follow her so they can kill both her and Ezra. Surviving an ambush by bandits, Sabine encounters the native Noti and follows them to their village, where she reunites with Ezra. While tracking Sabine, Skull senses there is a greater power on Peridia and tells Hati that he intends to find and use it. Anticipating Ahsoka's arrival, Thrawn demands all the details of her history from Elspeth and prepares his defenses. Oh, snap. This was great, man. <laughs> this was a great episode. So good. So good. Like, even even though I was just saying, you know, there was not all of the drama there could have been regarding Thrawn, um, his introductory scene was incredible. Yeah. Um, and I, I know this is something we've discussed in the past. I love when they're able to take the same voice actor from an animated show and make them the live action character. Mm -hmm. And they were able to do that with Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn. Uh, he's uh, the brother of Mads Mikkelsen, one of my like cult favorite actors. Like I don't watch everything he's in, but I enjoy everything of his that I've watched. Um, and he was Jen Erso's father in Rogue One mm -hmm. as a, as a bit of a familial connection for you there. Um, I, I really enjoyed this episode. Me too. I love, I, I tell you what I, what I thought was going to happen, Jay, and it's a creative decision. I don't even know if Filoni had the uh, stones to try to pull off, 
So Thrawn has his has his army. They're wrapped in Night Sister bandages, which makes me think that they are all reanimated zombies. Um, and he has one. He has a chief of his of his people. Captain Enoch is his like commander of his troops. I thought that was going to be Ezra. Oh, that would have been something. That would have been. People would have been so upset. Yeah. Like in the immediate wake of that episode, like the reaction would have been violent on yeah. like on social media obviously. But that said, I kind of I kind of wanted it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was I could yeah, no. I mean, now I could see Filoni doing something like that. You know, but yeah. maybe not right now. Yeah. Maybe with another character later in the series. Um, yeah. So we're so this, at this. Go what, ahead. But no, go, go ahead. Gonna, Where are you going to finish? I was going to say at this point, we are six episodes into Ahsoka and we are we are missing um, every living member of the rebels of the Star Wars Rebels crew or where we have all of them except one. And we know he's alive because he showed up in the Mandalorian. Right. Where is Zeb? I don't know why they haven't showed him yet at all. Like, uh, even in the next episode that we're going to talk about, I thought for sure in that, in the courtroom, I thought he would be there. Yeah. I, we only have one episode left and he hasn't showed up yet. And at this point, I don't think he is. And that's kind of upsetting to me. Yeah. Like, it's not, he didn't show up, so I hate the show. Like, that's not how that works for me personally. But man, I feel like it's just a, a card in their hand that they could have played. You could play that card. And I mean, so much of this season has been fan service already. Like, come on, (laughs) give us a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, I could totally see him showing up at the end, you know, with Hera um, and this new um, captain that they've had with them. I can't remember his name. Um, The actor himself, I've seen him in other things. He was in a really funny show. Uh, It was actually a Canadian show. It was called... um, convenience uh, Carson kim's Teva. convenience tiva yeah captain tiva captain tiva Teva. yeah he uh he wasn't wasn't uh simu liu in kim's convenience too yeah cool yeah it's a really funny show you should check it out um the first i want to say it was the first four seasons were hilarious i i've never laughed so hard it was really good um and then it probably got picked up by an american production company and it was not as probably funny. yeah it got that's yeah well what happened it was really upsetting because it was so funny and yet they were they were funny they were just classic humor i mean it felt like like i love seinfeld and so to me it it, it didn't feel exactly like seinfeld but it had that that feel to it where it was just like hey we're gonna we're gonna point out like true comedy we're going to point out little things in life that you don't pay attention to every day. And we're going to bring it right. to the surface and we're going to laugh about it. Um, and then it became super political. And when that happened, it was like, okay, well now it's not funny anymore. Um, but anyway, that that's not what we're talking about. What we are going to talk about though, is how John, I mean, from the very beginning of this episode, I was like, this is incredible, but she's sitting there. They're in the whale flying in the whale, her and uh, Ahsoka and the uh, droid. Hu Yang. Say his name again. Hu Yang. Hu Yang. And they're David talking. Tennant. Yeah. <clears throat> and they're talking. And then finally she's like, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and tell me one of your stories? And he's and she's like, your choice. And then it starts out with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far oh, away. Dude. That has again. never been said in a Star Wars property before. So to actually have that said, to know that that's something that they say, I don't know. It just, it made the whole thing feel more real. 
to me. I'm telling you, man, fan service. So it was much great. of the show is fan service. <laughs> it made me so happy. I was so it, happy. It made us all happy. I'm not saying fan service is bad. <laughs> like it when it's done well, it is it is the best. Oh man, it was so good. I as soon as he said that, I was like, this episode is gonna be incredible. I can already tell. Like, this is gonna be so good. Ah, <sighs> and it was. It was amazing. Um, but I well, love episode episode six was the one that had that limited theatrical release too, wasn't That's it? That's right. Yeah, I think it was it, like a, a smattering of theaters around the country had uh-huh. had this. Uh-huh. Could you imagine watching these th- this episode specifically where it has these sweeping long shots of of Thrawn's star destroyer, the Chimera? In case you were wondering, um, just like fading down onto that Night Sister Tower and the, like with the the troopers all there like this episode i think more than probably any episode of ahsoka at least lends itself to that type of viewing Mm -hmm. yeah it does for sure i seeing it what you know watching it it makes sense on why they made that one the theatrical release because the sets were so big um but how about um so i'm i'm really starting to believe that these two mercenaries as they're referred to most often um lord uh Bainan and his apprentice i can't remember her name um but i'm really starting to think that they don't see themselves as sith because i would agree with that they have never once referred to themselves as sith in fact he talks more about the jedi than he does anything else and and then like she even says like um you know, she was like, did you enjoy being a part of the Jedi? And he was like, I it had its moments, but ultimately they were, they were doomed to fail from the beginning. Um, but there have been others that have been trained to be a Jedi. And then she's like, like the way that you're training me. And he's like, I'm training you to be something more. But like, yeah. he doesn't say Sith. He doesn't refer to the dark side. Like, I don't well, think they've never that... used a Sith power either. That's true. They haven't. They just have red lightsabers. And even their yeah. red lightsabers. They're kind of orange. They're kind of an orangey color. They're not yeah, really they're red. Not, they're not the deep red or the, the bright red, I guess, that you see with Darth Maul or Count Dooku, Darth or Sidious, Vader. like the, the iconic. Oh, yeah. The first one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not that it's not that bright red that you that you see in, in all of those so i definitely i definitely agree with that um and it does make me curious what they see themselves as because they're clearly not jedi and if they're neither one that means they're something else because i i don't think they consider themselves just like just like force users and like with that vague phrase i think balan specifically i think he has some vision in his head yeah of something that he that he either is or he is going to be and to be honest that makes ray stevenson's passing all the more tragic it really because Balin Skull is a better original character than we got in the entirety of the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, in my opinion, this is just my personal opinion, he steals the show. Like, he, this show, like, I get more, it, part of me gets more excited with the scenes with him than with the rest of the crew, the rest of the characters. I, his character intrigues me because there's so much we don't know about him. And he just keeps giving us these little snippets on who he is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, oh, just tell us who you are, you yeah. know? And it and I... kind of traces back to my theory on why Ahsoka, you know, didn't have both of her sabers. You know, she clearly wasn't trying to kill him. She was just trying to stop him. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah. 
I, I'm not willing to go that far that he's like the standout character of the show. Um, he's top three for me. And I mean, Ahsoka to me is still the, when her character is on the screen, I'm paying the most attention. Um, but then it's, it's Thrawn and Balin for sure. Mm-hmm. Lord Balin. He, um, so what do you think it is that he's sensing on this planet? Like, what is he, what is he going to, to do? Cause I think, yeah. Cause I mean, you said you alluded to it earlier. Like he clearly like, yeah, they went there to, to get Thrawn, but I don't think that was his goal. Like his goal was not to get there to, to be with Thrawn, to rescue Thrawn. Like the idea that he's had of like Thrawn leaving them behind. I don't think that bothers him at all. Like, I don't think he's wanting to go back with him. I think there's something there on that planet that he's trying to get to. I hadn't thought about if he had wanted to return to the to the main galaxy or not. Um, I definitely don't think that he's bothered by the concept of being abandoned. Um, and I guess what, what I think, I think Peridia is kind of not the home of the Force in that galaxy, but it is one of the strongest manifestations of it. Because, I mean, the, the Dathomiri aren't, you know, Force users in the traditional sense, but they're more in tune with it than than the average person for sure um so i think that is one of like one of the sources of what the the great mothers are able to do um and it's part of what i again i think with thron's armies all being wrapped in night sister bandages i think they've reanimated his entire army and that's not something that you can do lightly mm-hmm. so it almost feels like peridia would be the home of like a giant force battery in a sense mm. And if you get to that battery, you can use the force that much more. I think so. You can become, you know, that much more powerful or you can almost maybe like a mirror of Erised situation from again to reference Harry Potter. Um, just what is what is your biggest desire? Or maybe it would just they would just build a uh, a temple because that's I mean, that's when in inside of uh, Rebels, that's what the that's what those were. Right. Like on Lothal. Mm hmm. Jedi it was just a, a temple. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine there's there's a temple hidden somewhere on the planet. But okay. to what or to whom does this galaxy even have Jedi and Sith? Like, there's so much that we don't know about Peridia. And I feel like if they fully leave Peridia unexplored in the in, at the conclusion of this show, it's a tremendous waste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, you know, I'm feeling more and more like they are setting up for the focus of this show to take place primarily in this new galaxy. Yeah. I will tell you one theory that I saw on social media recently is that um, Balin turns into Snoke and no, he begins please don't. he begins crafting the first order no and that peridia is in the same galaxy as exegol from the rise of skywalker which is why it was impossible to get to the second part of that i'm on board exegol and peridia being in the same galaxy that is an easy sell for me yeah yeah snoke snoke being balin not on board no not at all especially because of the way that they got rid of snoke yeah that's what makes that so upsetting it's like well then that makes that super sad. <laughs> yeah. How how the mind? Well, if you think about it, though, I mean, Snoke has that incredible head wound. So if you if you tack on, <clears throat> I think the the theorizer's point um, 
was saying Balin is going to get, he's going to receive a head wound in the show, and it would take, um, so the, combined with the head wound plus aging an additional 15 years, it's plausible. Bane because I don't like know if you've, if you had seen the, the DCAU movies, um, but at the end of the DCAU Flashpoint movie, uh, spoilers, I guess, because I don't think we've ever reviewed this on the, on the pod, um, the Thomas Wayne Batman shoots reverse Flash in the back of the head. Like, full on, you see the exit wound and everything. But the reverse Flash comes up in the next movie. And it essentially, like, he, he explains the fact that he isn't dead by saying, like, I'm vibrating my molecules to make it so I age milliseconds at a time. So what if Balin gets his head injury and he has to use his obviously incredible force ability to keep himself alive and it saps the energy from the rest of his abilities? Hmm. Again, I don't even think that's true. I don't even want that to be true. No, I don't even. I just want to devil's advocate it to try to explain a way where it could happen. Hmm. I don't know. I really hope that that's not the case because that's going to make me really sad. <laughs> I agree. <coughs> if that If that's what happens. Oh, man. Well, what about the next episode? Episode 7, Dreams and Madness. On Coruscant, Hera Syndulla faces a disciplinary hearing with uh, tribunal member Senator Ziono. It's an X, and I'm never confident about pronouncing X's and names. Objecting to her reports of the secret Imperial Remnant conspiracy. C-3PO arrives and provides the tribunal with a fake authorization from Leia Organa, which came after the mission had already been completed, forcing the court to absolve Hera and convincing Mon Mothma that the threat is real. Arriving at Peridia, the Purgles run into a minefield left by Thrawn's forces and retreat. Continuing alone, Ahsoka and Hu Yang are attacked by enemy fighters and hide in a debris field, compelling Grand Admiral Thrawn to adopt a more calculated approach. Ahsoka locates Sabine through the Force and heads to the planet's surface. Ezra, Sabine, and the Noti are attacked by Hati and bandits, uh, the bandits that Sabine had previously encountered, and Thrawn's night troopers, while Skull leaves to pursue his own agenda. Ahsoka comes to the aid of Ezra and Sabine just as they were about to lose the battle, forcing Thrawn to withdraw his remaining night troopers and preparing his imminent departure. Ahsoka invites Hati, who has been left behind, to join them, but after a moment of thought, she runs away. Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine then joyously reconnect. Yes. Yes, they do. Until I read that plot summary, I didn't know that Thrawn's troopers were officially called night troopers. Yeah, so that pretty much confirms your... They're reanimated. Yeah. Yeah. That confirms your theory, which it was a good theory. I I didn't think about that until you said it, and I was like, no, actually, that makes perfect sense. Especially, I tell you what made me think that more more than most other things. I'm not going to say more than anything. Um... Maroc, yeah. when he was killed and it had the green smoke come out, right. like he had been created by Night Sister magic, that's not going to be the only time that happens. Hmm. It can't be the only time that happens. Yeah. But in the fight with Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra versus Shin Hati, the bandits, and the night troopers, I don't remember seeing green smoke in those fights. So could it just be they were reanimated, but they weren't modified? Because that could be the it. green smoke, like from Savage in Clone Wars, is because he was a uh, he was uh, heavily uh, adjusted to be the the hulking brute that he was. Or could it be because that one other uh, what was his name the the double bladed uh, 
Maroc? Maroc. It maybe he was a knight brother himself, and that's why he had the the green smoke. Yeah, that could be. So maybe maybe because the the stormtroopers are purely just reanimated, they're able they their bodies will just stop working. You know, like they'll go back to being dead as opposed to having that green smoke come out because they were just simply reanimated. I don't know. That's a good question. One to ponder. Oh, I just every time I go back to the Wikipedia tab, I'm I guess blinded. I'll just have to rewatch the episode. That's what I'll... Oh, I I just hate that for you, Jay. I know it's terrible. I just that's. Can we going back to the beginning of the episode with Hera's uh, court tribunal? There's no way that senator who is objecting to it so fiercely is not in on it. <laughs> that's exactly what he's a mole. Um, that's exactly what Antonio said. As soon as he kept talking about it, Antonio was like, "Oh, he's in on it, hundred <laughs> percent." Or he's just really really dumb. <laughs> I don't know that I would call those mutually exclusive. Uh, he is a senator, after all. Hey, 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 hey! I will, I will accept no Leia Organa slander on this podcast. <laughs> Watch it. What was so? What What was your take on Ezra outright refusing his lightsaber? Oh yeah. Um. <clears throat> at first, I was like, in fact, while everybody was kind of coming around, I. I said out loud, I said, hey, here's an idea. Why don't Ezra get his lightsaber and do his whole Jedi mm-hmm. thing? Um, mm-hmm. And then she kept giving it to him or trying to give it to him and he was refusing it. And then she tried to give it to him. And then he was like, listen, it was my lightsaber. I gave it to you. It's yours now. So after he said that, I was like, OK, so he's just like he clearly sees the whole lightsaber thing as like, a, you know, it, it's like it, it means it, it's not just a it's not just a weapon it like means something to him and so he's like no this is yours now you you have this lightsaber now and um and then when he was like i just need the force i'm good uh which he did do i mean you know he did pretty good just uh pushing people around and then grabbing the lightsaber with the force and keeping it from hitting him that is such a like i want to talk about that as a move in words that we have committed that we cannot say on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like how many people have used that total not it's very not many, many. Uh-uh. especially the way think... he did it because there's been plenty of people that have like put out their hand to like force stop it but he literally like force grabbed it like his hands were like bent as Around if he it. was like grabbing yeah. the blade yeah and i mean he's he's had to do like five years of of development on his own yeah because at the end of rebels his master has recently passed away again spoiler alerts um and he has so much training left to do mm-hmm. so he makes this heroic sacrifice at the end of the show and his character arc his his jedi arc is so unfulfilled yeah so and also without having his lightsaber he had to learn with what he had right so, so it, would, it makes sense that he adapted. I'm going to be interested to see like what other force abilities he's developed over these years, because there's got to be some some other really like intense moves, I would think. Wouldn't you like some really cool, like force unleashed type of stuff? 
Oh gosh, that would be, I'd be down for that. I mean, let's be honest. Like, can you imagine how cool it would be for them to bring in the, like, where he like jumps up in the air and like closes in and makes like that force like explosion where it just pushes everybody away. Of course, he wouldn't be able to do, you know, if he wants to stay Jedi, I don't think it would be a Jedi move to do that and people like disintegrate like it does in Force Unleashed, but... I don't know that he's really interested in that right now. <gasps> I think he, I don't know that I would go so far as to say, I expect him to have abandoned a Jedi identity so much as it is. I think he's, I, I am a force user who has to survive. Yeah, I could see that. So I think he's much more open to blurring the line responsibly now because during the show, he was blurring that line irresponsibly. Yeah, that's true. He was, I forgot about that, but you're absolutely right. So, hmm. So, I mean, mm. but they're I, all united at the end and they're still, they, they have not addressed how they're getting back either. Yeah. They got to call upon another whale, I guess. Yeah. Somehow, but they've got a lot to do and one episode to do it in <laughs> clearly going to be another season. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm not saying like, ugh. Until it's confirmed, I refuse to believe that they will put a second season together of anything. Yeah. That's just how I am at this point. Yeah. I could see them. I think it's a stretch, but because of the show and, and I'm assuming it's doing well. I mean, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd be interested to look at the numbers, but you know, assuming it's doing well, I wouldn't be totally surprised if they jump straight from this to making a movie. Well, I mean, that was, that was the plan, right? A giant well, they, crossover movie. They said they were going to do that, but they didn't say exactly when they just said in the future. So that can mean any time. So I think a Fair. lot of people just kind of, kind of assumed, okay, well, there's going to be like a few seasons of Ahsoka and then there's going to be a movie to kind of wrap it up. I think is what a lot of people thought, um, or were thinking, but I'm starting to think that because of the, I would assume, I mean, I, I just can't see how this isn't successful. But I would imagine with the popularity of this show, I could see them potentially even like jumping straight into like a movie series of some kind or trilogy or maybe even doing a movie, see how well the movie does and then maybe doing another season. Yeah, I mean, I again, as I talked about with Christopher Nolan, when it comes to Star Wars, nobody has me as immediately on board as Dave Filoni does. Yes. So they could give him a movie. They could give another, like they could green light another series. They could green light another show. I'm in. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. Yeah. So last episode, I think, uh, Ray Stevenson's going to find his, whatever it is that he's looking for. Unlike you two, he's going to find it. Um, what would you say? He's going to find his white whale, his white whale. Yes. There's literally a white sky whale. (laughs) I mean, it's on the table at this point. (laughs) So he's going to find his thing, um, and I don't think we're going to see, like, an end to him, but his char- his the actor is gone, so I don't know what that means for the future of his character. Yeah. So, I mean, I- I'm sure they could find someone that looks somewhat similar to him, but he's done such a wonderful job, so it- it- it's very upsetting. Um, but I think that will happen. I don't think Thrawn is actually going to leave. I think something's going to happen. It's going to cause him from actually leaving. Oh, interesting. Um, How would, I guess that's something we hadn't talked about yet is with the eye of Scion being a ring. If something was, when it, when it left, 
uh, Cetos, I think was the planet they were on, uh-huh. they were able to pass, th- things passed through the ring. Right. And did not travel with them. Correct. So how are they going to get the Chimera back? I don't know. I've wondered the exact same thing. I'm like, because not everybody can fit on that ship. I don't think that ship is big enough. No, absolutely not. And also, what are they loading? Uh, more zombies. Oh, you think that's what they're loading? More, more, uh... His it army. looks like caskets. That's I thought so too, and I was like, "Who are they loading? Are those like their victims that they've killed? <laughs> like they've been collecting all the yeah. people they've killed? Yeah, huh? Because they have the power to bring them back to life, and that's going to be his army. Yeah, there, there is John. There is <laughs> no way. There is no way that they're getting back. Like surely at this point, it's just because surely they would that's something that would get some attention don't you think like reanimated yeah. zombie army coming back to the skywalker galaxy in that in that just like a like how how do you skip over that in your 30 years between <laughs> like like right like that's a big deal like that's so much bigger than the first order reanimated zombies come on now an undead yeah. army huh i don't know man I am, they have somewhat famously uh, not asked us. Yes. So. Yes. Well, I, I, I just, I, Thrawn for sure. I, I mean, whatever is going to happen, Thrawn for sure is the, he, he is the emperor of this show. So he's not going anywhere. Um, you know, there's no way they would bring him in and not use him. Like I could see him maybe going away for a little bit, you know, something like that, where he's just kind of like, you know, maybe he's gone somewhere else. I got, I got so many questions about this universe too. Um, this galaxy, because like how much of it has been explored? Is this the only planet? Like what was his ship not capable of traveling like to other planets? Did they just stay here the entire time? Cause there's not much going on there. I mean, it was pretty messed up. It like some damage had been done to it, at least in the, in the rebels finale. And then when it, when you got the, the long shot, the wide shots of the chimera, uh-huh. there were parts of it that were missing. Okay. At least parts of the exterior. Hmm. Well, I feel like we could talk about this all night. So let's go ahead and move on. Um, cause we still got to review Spider-Man two. We do. And I have a, a more brief plot summary than I was really expecting, uh, for, for it. Okay. Well, so next time, um, next episode, we will be reviewing the finale of Ahsoka. So, uh, we're, we're both, as you can tell, we're very invested, very excited. So, um, I've got so many questions at this point. Like, seriously, I, I imagine the last episode to be at least an hour and a half long. It better be, man. Like, I I was at a point now this past episode, I think, was like 45 minutes, give or take. And I was like, this is the minimum. Yeah. This is the minimum I want from this show. You know what I would love for them to do? They won't do it. But I would love for them to make the show but one continuous thing where it's like multiple hours long i want that so that i can just sit down turn it on and watch it from beginning to end with no uh recap no or recap credits just... or why is that not a i feel like that should be a setting like a binge setting yeah i don't know some someone streaming service please please ask us <laughs> We have thoughts. We have thoughts. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can. You can email us. They didn't ask us at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch with John, he is jmuller8332 on Twitter. If you would like to get in touch with me, 
I am the nerd is underscore in on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with the show or follow the show on Twitter, you can follow the show at TDAU underscore pod. That is on Twitter. And um, I believe that's it. Um, but yeah, get in touch with us. Share us. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people say this, but seriously, share us with your friends, share us with your family. Um, you know, John and I started this thing with the idea of being safe for the whole family. So don't feel bad about feeling, you know, you can, you can listen to this. You can watch this. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, you can share this and watch it and not worry about your kids being around. Um, if it's something that's going to be in, you know, could potentially be inappropriate for them, um, we will let you know. But even then, it's not like we're going to be saying stuff that you're going to have to be like, oh, no, I got to explain that later. Like we're, we're trying very hard to avoid that as much as possible. Um, but, uh, give us a rating, um, leave a comment, you know, all that kind of stuff is going to boost our show, get more attention. Um, we, we're, we're not doing that so that we can be famous or anything like that. We just want, you know, if you love this, we want more people to be able to listen to it as well. So we are not making a dime off of this. This is all just for fun, but John Spider-Man two. First, if you don't mind, real quick, before you get into the summary, could you tell us what year it was released? 2004. 2004. And who is it starring? It is starring... Let me go back to the one page. uh, Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane Watson. Alfred Molina as Dr. Otto Octavius. James Franco as Harry Osborn. And J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. The only J.J. Jameson. Which is impressive to me, because he he was granted his role in the MCU as well. Well, he so it makes you wonder if good job with it. Oh, he's great. I'm not (laughs) complaining that he that he was MCU. I'm just remarking on the uniqueness of it. Yes, it is unique. Is uh, is every J. Jonah Jameson across the multiverse J.K. Simmons? I would be okay with that. I honestly, I think I would be too. Yeah. Um, that would actually be kind of fun to have that like a. Like, J. Jonah, like J. Jonah Jameson, Jameson is se- like he's secretly the watcher. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could see that too. <laughs> Got a cigar and everything. He's like yelling at the at the screen. <laughs> I love it. Okay, sorry. Go ahead with the summary. Um, so with this being a summary, it's not quite as uh, detailed, and it is more of a tease, so it doesn't get into kind of the last third of the movie. Um, but if my options are I can read a paragraph or I can read somebody's, like, college thesis, <laughs> uh, I'm going to read the paragraph. So, uh, on the verge of a nervous breakdown, Peter Parker, who is now studying physics at the University of Columbia, learns the hard way that life has just got tougher. Uh, it's been too short short years since Norman Osborn's death at the end of the first movie, uh, and Mary Jane is now giving up on Peter as Aunt May faces imminent foreclosure. Those are not related events, by the way. Uh, The person who did their best to write this has equated them. Um, As Peter tries to find his feet, uncertain of whether he wants to be a crime fighter or not, a freak accident in the name of science births a new supervillain, the... uh, energy-obsessed, multi-tentacled, mad scientist, Dr. Octopus. This time, when the world needs him most, Peter must choose between remaining faithful to his calling or staying away from Mary Jane, the girl of his dreams. Will Peter embrace his destiny as Spider-Man? Will he? There's a Spider-Man 3, so I'll let you guess how how that goes. Um, (laughs) 
I want to kick us off by saying I forgot how, and I, I use this I use this word very deliberately. Uh, I don't throw it around as as lightly as a lot of people do on the internet. The beginning of this movie, Peter's life is so depressing. Yeah, it is. It is genuinely um, Murphy's Law. What can go wrong is actively going wrong. <laughs> like he, he's drifting apart from his friends, from yeah. Aunt May. Yeah. He's failing in school. He's getting fired from all of his jobs. Yep. It's pizza time. And it's oh, right at the beginning. With uh, And so I watched, Meg and I watched this last night. Do you know who the uh, the woman at the desk was? Yeah, who the, received the pizza time line. The actress, it was Emily Deschanel. Yeah, from Bones. Yeah, it was. There's a lot of that in this movie that we that we noted. Um, just kind of like, oh, they're gonna go on to to be famous. Um, Elizabeth Banks is in this movie. She has like four lines or something. Where was she? She was Miss Brant. So I'm trying to remember the scenes in which there was a Miss Brandt. She might have been. She might have been the one who was supposed to pay Peter at the Daily Planet. Bugle. Which oh, one is Superman yes. and which one is Spider Man? Yep, it was. That's that's exactly who that is. Is it Bugle? Yeah, the Daily Bugle. Okay, I said Daily Planet. That is Superman. <laughs> uh, and Different then of course we did have uh, we did have the obligatory uh, Sam Raimi made a movie, so Bruce Campbell is in it. Exactly. Um, that was that was fun. I enjoy Bruce Campbell in things. So yeah, um, starts off real sad. Uh, everything is going wrong for Peter. He gets thrown a bone um, because he's writing a paper on somebody who his best friend is financing their research. So he gets really an, an upfront view of of everything that's going on, and um, and then that's a disaster. You, uh, oh, <laughs> literally, that's not even an exaggeration. Like disaster is an appropriate word, if not underselling it. Yeah, he had the power um, of the sun in the palm of his hand. In the palm of his hand. A literal son. <laughs> yeah, for real. It was it for this being a 2004 movie. Many of the effects held up very well. It did. The one part that I looked at it and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's from the mid 2000s or from the early 2000s." Is uh the scene right after Doc Ock uh is storms out of the hospital. I almost said escapes like he was a prisoner. Um, after he he fights his way out of the hospital. What he robs an a bank. Scene. I yeah. That's where uh, that's where Sam Raimi's true colors really comes out is in that scene. There was so much like screaming and like aggressive close ups, and you could definitely tell Raimi's horror background in in this movie. And yeah. that was honestly the movie's better for it. It it is it is because otherwise it is kind of a, a run of the mill. And it's not over used either. No no it is it is used very appropriately. Um. But the scene where where uh, Doc Ock robs the bank and he's ripping the vault door off the oh, off the yes. mount, yes, those effects did not hold up super well. No, they did not. But the fact that I had to nitpick, there's one thing that doesn't work in a what is probably like a standard two hour movie. Yeah, like at some point that's gonna be impressive. Where does where does IMDb say how long a movie is? Two hours and seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's right on the mark of two hours. Yeah, it's um. So this movie was this movie has a um some interesting history to it. So um um originally uh Doc Ock was actually Dr. Otto Octavius. He was not going to be the villain of this movie. Um originally it was going to be Mysterio uh was going to be the original villain. Ooh. Um and they they scrapped that pretty quick um in the early editing with the script. So I thought that was really interesting. And then also Toby Maguire was originally not going to come back as Spider-Man. 
um, originally he had done the first one and he, he actually talks about in several interviews, early interviews after doing Spider-Man that he hated the costume so much, um, because he like, he, he would talk actively about how much he couldn't breathe in it because it was made, you know, it's made of rubber. And so Mm -hmm. they would have just these two little holes, um, for his nostrils so that he could breathe. Uh, and then he couldn't see out of it either. And so he just felt completely trapped. And there were times that like, even like the nose holes wouldn't breathe right. And so he hated the costume. And so originally he wasn't going to come back as Spider-Man. And then, um, they, what convinced him to come back was actually Sam Raimi went to him and said, this movie is going to deal a lot with, um, your personal, like Peter Parker. It it deals a lot with Peter Parker. So there's actually going to be a lot of the scenes, almost half of the movie. You're not going to be in your costume. You're just going to be Peter Parker. And even when you are in your costume, so many of the in costume scenes, he's not wearing his mask. Yeah. Like the, the famous train scene, Uh not wearing his mask and the, the climactic, not even really a fight at the end. Um, he's not wearing his mask. Right. So that's definitely, I could see that being a, a rewrite of, we heard you, we received that and you are important enough to this movie. Like you are the guy, right? We need you in this movie. We have adapted your complaints and we have, we have addressed them. Yeah, so that's exactly what happened, and so he was able to come back because of that. So I thought that was that's a very interesting um, nugget. Just, yeah, little little nugget of information. So when you're watching this movie, it, it kind of helps you see the movie a little bit differently and see like, oh, okay, wow. So to think like Tobey Maguire may not have been there for this movie um, is uh, pretty incredible because he, I, I mean, yeah. he's one of my favorite Peter Parkers. I mean, he's definitely not he's top three. <laughs> Yeah, I almost got away with a straight face for that. That would have been so. Oh man. <laughs> um, I think one thing that I really noticed in this movie too is it deals a little bit with um, as part of the stresses of Peter's life. The stresses overpower his abilities to an extent. That's mm-hmm. that's my headcanon at least. Yeah. Um. So he loses the the web shooting ability. He loses his wall sticking ability. Um, and one of the consequences of that is he ends up on a rooftop and he's in an elevator going down. And I don't know how this, how you viewed that scene, Jay, but I saw that scene and I saw Deadpool. Mm, yeah. In terms of like the snark, the, the, the quickness of it. It was definitely like early Deadpool for me. Yeah, I could see that. So that's a, that's a crossover I want sooner rather than later. Yes. Or I guess that is a character who I want to show up in Deadpool 3. Like, I want Spider-Man there. Me too. Me too. That is something I would love to see, and then eventually them having their own adventure together. I would love to see that. Yeah, completely on board. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I uh, this was one of those movies I remember, um, and, and I would say even still, it's one of the better superhero movies out there, period. DC, Marvel, doesn't matter. It's one of the better superhero movies. Um, and I think it's because it, it just has so much heart to it. Uh, it's got it's got a fantastic story, um, and you you really I don't know you 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 leave the movie feeling really good for Peter. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, he's got this. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that made this so satisfying is 
it had a very human villain. Yeah. Like it, as, as a villain origin story for Dr. Octopus, it was very much a, you see what gets him to that point, And then you, by the end of the movie, he does have that redemption arc that kind of, not kind of, it is the foundation for who he is in Far From Home. Yeah. Or No Way Home. No Way Home. Um, Cause I mean, he's, he's arguably not even a villain at any point in that movie. He's just, okay, I now realize that I'm in an alternate universe. What do I have to do to get home? And he does it. Mm-hmm. So I, at the time, so with this movie having come out in 2004, this would have been the gold standard of comic book movies. Everything would have been compared to this for four years. And then if you were, if you were to Mount Rushmore, the genre, right? Uh Two of the four Mount Rushmore movies came out in 2008 because that's Iron Man and that's the Dark Knight. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously those are, those are paradigm shifting um, in terms of how, how the genre is thought of, but this stood head and shoulders above everything else for that time. Mm-hmm. And I would still say it, it's definitely still up there as far as being one of the top. And it really holds up too. the movie holds up. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, here's another interesting little fun fact for you too. It takes place in New York, except New York doesn't have any trains above ground. Mm-hmm. So they had to film all of that in Chicago, Chicago, famously where the dark Knight was. Yeah. There were a lot of trains in, or at least in Batman begins. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, Spider-Man two, there are three Spider-Man movies. I've heard rumors. Um, I really don't think it's going to happen, but with everything with, um, uh, Sony's extended universe, not doing as good as they had hoped, um, which why they thought that was a good idea. You mean, you mean to tell me the, the Morbius movie isn't worth building a cinematic universe off of? I know you would think if it was good enough to re-release in theaters again, you would think they had something good going. Um, some people, man, go figure, but they, uh, they've got, um, there, there's been rumor that they really want to do whatever Spider-Man four was actually going to be with Tobey Maguire they really want to go ahead and do it i i would love to see that personally um in fact i think it would even be fun to do something like you know it's after the um after the events of no way home you know like peter has just gotten back home and like a check-in on where are they now yeah and then you get to see like you know a new threat has arisen and now he's got to fight that new threat and maybe even do the same thing with andrew garfield do you want to know what I would want to see if they did that? I would want to see an arc that I have talked about before that, again, I've only read one volume of, but I love that one volume, um, Superior Spider-Man. Ooh, with uh, Dr. Dr. Octavius switching bodies? Uh-huh. That'd be interesting. I, w- I think that would be really cool. I don't know that I want them to do that with Alfred Molina and Tobey Maguire, but I want Superior Spider-Man to happen at some point. That would be weird. Uh-huh. I don't know how many people would be on board with that. It's so good. Like, I feel like it, it might have to be, it w- not might, it would have to be animated, I'm pretty sure. But I don't know. It's so good, man. People are sleeping on it. I liked the uh, art style of Superior Spider-Man. I did too. Yeah, that was good. 
I don't know. Spider-Man, anyway. he was my he was my first superhero love was Spider-Man. I fell in love with that character and knew everything about him. I had books just like, you know, info books about all the different villains and all the different origin stories and stuff like that. I read several uh, several of his comics. Um, so I remember when these movies came out, I was super pumped for for that. Because up until up until this point, we only had the animated series, mm-hmm. so which is good. Also available on Disney Plus. Also available on Disney Plus. Yep. But uh, so where where would you where would you rate this now? Oof, this is going to be a hard question. Where would you uh, put this yeah. now amongst all superhero movies that have been released? Where would this fall now? For me personally, it is still on my Mount Rushmore. So it is still top four. I just think that it probably is fourth, but I will say I'm struggling to say what I think. So I think The Dark Knight one, my incredible bias towards the character is coming out. Uh, Winter Soldier is two. Um, One of Infinity War or Black Panther as three, Mm. because the movies outside of everything else, the movies are critically very good. And then when you tack onto that, the cultural reach that both of those movies had, they have to be in that conversation. Yeah. And then I would put Spider-Man two, four. Okay. And then the other of Black Panther or Infinity War would be fifth. Okay. Just to do a top five. Okay. I think I would definitely have Spider-Man 2 sitting at number five. Kind of like what you're saying. I'm not sure, completely sure what would be in the one through four. But it would definitely be, like you said, Dark Knight, uh, Winter Soldier. Um, Hmm. Definitely um, Thor, Ragnarok, and probably Infinity War, and then Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I mean, that's a solid list. Yeah. I, I can't complain about any of those. Yeah, I think that's what would be up there, but it still holds up. It's still a really good movie. If you've never seen it before, I highly, highly recommend go watching it. I would rec- uh, You need to watch 1, 2, and 3, uh, even though 3 is not great but it finishes it wraps up the character um and kind of even though you don't get to see a resolution for uh peter parker you get to see like you can see what direction it's going to go and so you kind of feel better about it that way like you're like okay like i I have a basic understanding of what's going to happen next um but i would recommend checking it out for sure yeah i mean I'm completely on board. If you are among the people who haven't been priced out of Disney Plus yet, you have it available. Yep. It's there. And I'm, um, I'm sure you can rent it for a reasonable price at this point, I would think. Yeah. I mean, at some level, if you could find a, a DVD of it, that thing's less than five bucks. Oh, for sure. If you can find a Blu-ray of it, it's I would imagine it's comfortably less than 10. There's probably a pack of the trilogy for like 15 bucks. And it's worth it. So, yeah, it's it's definitely worth searching out if that's what it takes for you to watch this movie. Yeah, it's well done. It's well done. All right. Well, Spider-Man 2. Um, yeah, I'm kind of sitting with the uh, two man, two spider, two man. <laughs> It's just so fun. It's so fun to to name sequels like that. Um, Next time, um, I don't know what we're reviewing. I'm actually going to go see a movie this weekend. I'm super excited. I'm going to go see The Creator. Um, That looks wild. It does. It looks really good to me, and I'm super excited. You will have to let me know how how it goes. I will. I will let you know. Um, But I'm not even sure what's coming up next. I know we have a bonus Monday um, at the end of the month, uh, and we are going to be doing... 
Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm so excited, Jay. The local theater released the the movies that they're putting in theaters, and the last week of October they're putting Nightmare Before Christmas in oh, theater. There you go. I'm so excited. There you go. Yeah, that should be that should be pretty good. I'll, I'll be. I haven't watched that movie in a long time, so mm-hmm. it'll be good getting to to see it again. I like stop motion animation. Um, my son does not. Ooh, yeah, it's my it's oldest. Definitely he said taste. that it freaks him out, and I'm like, All I mean, right. that combined with the Nightmare Before Christmas aesthetic, like, yeah, that's a rough combo for him. Then, yeah. Um, oh, we actually we only have. Oh wait, this is so. Oh yeah, that's right. We were talking about doing Willy Wonka or something. Well, we'll think about it. We'll get back to you on it. But anyway. But we will be back in two weeks, Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but we'll see you then. But until then, nerd out.